Hey, what's up? This is Kat Jones, your host. Today is February 19th, 2020. I want you to be my neighbor here on Queer All Year. What's up? This is Kat Jones on Queer All Year, and I am joined, as always, by my bro and sound producer, Mick G. Mick Mick G. Mick G. Oh, I, I was just thinking about Tyra Banks. We were all rooting for you. Yeah, I know. No, no, it's from America's Next Top Model. You know I don't watch that. You should watch, well... I would say you should watch it. I don't know if it's still on. Someone tell me it's still on. I love that show. Anyway. Um, yes, yeah, so this is... What do we usually talk about here? This is Queer All Year. That was McG. I'm Kat. And we have stories. We have... Fun stories and then maybe not so fun story. And then we have a story that's not really LGBT related. Except for the fact that it has to do with Hamilton. And that makes it LGBT related. Um, and theater nerd related and all of that. So I'm going to start in on our first story, which is about the New Jersey Civil Union Act. And that was um, uh, the New Jersey legislature passed a bill on December 14th, 2006 to create civil unions for uh, both um, same and opposite sex couples and it came into effect on February 19th, 2007. And so um, under this bill, a civil union between um, in a same-sex couple would give them um, pretty much all of the same rights as a um, married couple in New Jersey. This was New Jersey. I don't remember if I said that. Um, which, you know, obviously we're differentiating civil union and marriage right there so obviously it's not marriage equality but uh you know it was it was a start um unfortunately since the uh defense of marriage act or uh doma i think do we call it doma we call it doma uh since that was still in existence um the um civil unions were not recognized federally so while the couples could get state um rights and that kind of thing they could not get any of the federal rights that are um given to married couples and civil couples and civil unions and you know um what is it called common law common law marriage those kind of things common law actually tends to have uh, a lot of protections which is interesting um so under this new law it ended the existence of domestic partnerships pretty much in uh, New Jersey for both the same and opposite sex couples. Um, only people over the age of 62 were allowed to enter into new domestic partnerships. It didn't dissolve existing ones, though. So if you were in a domestic partnership, you could still be in one, you know, if you were in it when the law came into effect. But if you then went on to have a civil union, then that dissolved your domestic partnership and you couldn't get back into it, I guess. I'm not really 100% on what, I guess that would be a downgrade. I guess domestic partnership is a downgrade from civil union. And so I'm not really sure at what point you would want to downgrade to that rather than, I don't know. Do you divorce in a civil union? 
I'm not really sure. But in any case, uh, if you decided to get into a civil union, you were no longer in a domestic partnership. And you could not enter a domestic partnership unless you were over the age of 62. And um, I guess I need to do more research into what the difference is there. Because I did, I was looking into it. I don't see, I mean, obviously one is much more legal, but I didn't, maybe it's just because I'm like, it's not marriage, so it's whatever, Uh, but it's not whatever. I should know about it. Either way, civil unions aren't marriages, and so while it was an advancement, the, you know, the struggle carried on. And activists everywhere were like, well, uh, good try. Let's get marriage and get rid of the, get rid of DOMA, which, oh, that was a fight. Huh. So anyway, um, that was a really short one. And um, since it was short, we're going to go on to a little segment with McGee. Hey everybody, today I'd like to talk about some cool old folklore. A lot of people will think I'm talking about Lord of the Rings when I mention a golem, but this term has a much more ancient past. Alternating between being a protector of the Jewish people or misunderstood beast, the golem is a fun story from not such a fun time. Um, A golem is an anthropomorphic piece of clay and would, according to Jewish folklore, come to life and have superhuman strength. Many were placed at the entrances of ghettos in Imperial Russia to ward off the constant attacks on Jewish communities that were known as, or are now known as pogroms. However, um, they can come with a catch. Golems are not intelligent and will take orders literally, often winding up with undesired results. So, for example, asking for a thousand bucks might get you a thousand antlered animals, not money. You know what I mean? Anyway, I'm McGee, and this is a little segment. Hey, Fred. Francois Clemens. Hi, welcome. Thank you. How you doing? Fine. How are you today? Fine. My feet were tired, so I thought I'd just soak them for a while in this water. Does it make them feel better? It does. Would you like to try? Sure. Okay, here. uh... If you're not aware, that is the iconic scene in Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, in which Mr. Rogers and Officer Clemens, who is a black man, um share a little wade in their kiddie pool they just um it's a hot day and their feet are sore so they both stick their feet in the kiddie pool and sit and sing a song about different ways to love people and it's a lovely scene and it is in response to all the um racial tensions that were going on at the time it was in 1969 and mr rogers knew that kids were still being segregated in pools even though it was against the law he knew that um black kids were being either kicked out of pools or in one case i believe it was um some owner of the pool or someone who ran it poured acid on kids and i think that was before the civil rights act but at the same time still i mean if that was going on then of course it was still going on that's just you know the civil rights act didn't end everything immediately so mr rogers saw all of this awful stuff going on and he was friends with 
Francois Clemens, who um, was, like I said, Officer Clemens in the show. And um, so they got together and they both just had this moment where they put their feet in the pool together and it was uh, no big deal. It was no, they were just talking and um, cooling off and it was a really um, subtle and powerful moment in TV history because it was a black man and a white man uh, being equals, sharing, you know, a relaxing, refreshing time, and then singing about love. And it was wonderful. And it was um, not a hard stance. There were a lot of people taking hard stances. And um, that was not what Mr. Rogers wanted to do because he wanted to cater to the kids. And you take a hard stance with a kid and it just influences them in, you know, like, I don't like when people put politics on their kids, things like that. So Mr. Rogers just kind of, you know, if the kids picked up on it, then they did. And if they didn't, then they didn't. But he just made it normal. Just in one episode, he just normalized sharing a pool with someone who wasn't typically allowed to share pools at the time. So I'm talking about that scene because on this day in history, Mr. Rogers premiered in 1968. And um, probably almost everyone on here has seen the documentary, Won't You Be My Neighbor, by now. It took me forever to see it. It's on HBO, I believe. Um, I started crying about two minutes in and did not stop. Um, one part of the documentary and one part of the history of Fred Rogers' life and the history of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is the fact that Francois Clemens was gay. And um, in the documentary, they talk about it a little bit. And um, it's, I kind of, I kind of see both sides of it. Um, We, obviously, there's no mention of homosexuality in Mr. Rogers at all. uh, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And that was, um, not really, Mr. Rogers didn't condemn it, um, but there was so much stuff going on that he wanted to tackle and that um, Francois wanted to tackle in the world that they just, um, they needed to keep their viewership who were very Christian and they were taking these hard stances, but like very subtly, like hard stances on racism and you know uh self-image that kind of thing and um it was just kind of at the time homosexuality to add that in there and not even just add that i mean it was it's premiered in 68 that episode that we played a clip from was 69 um martin luther king jr had just been assassinated in that around that time and it was just um no one was really talking about LGBT rights and obviously they should have been but the it's hard to not be an apologist or it's hard to explain try to explain without sounding like an apologist um but they were they were tackling racial issues and um unfortunately that resulted in Francois having to hide his sexuality um he married a woman for a while, um, he was once caught in, not caught, but seen in a gay club in the village. And um, 
Fred Rogers had to go up to him and be like, you can't be seen in those places. You know, I have no problem with you being who you are, but you are a face in this show and you represent this show and you just can't really be seen out like that because it could really hurt viewership. It could hurt the show. It could hurt you, especially as a black man at the time. Uh, um, a gay black man was uh, a very dangerous person to be, um, as it kind of is still is dangerous to be just, oh, it's just dangerous to be yourself always. But, um, Francois was, uh, he never had a bad word about Mr. Rogers for it. He never, um, was, he was completely understanding of it and he was more than happy to kind of keep that side of himself on the down low, although he was also very happy to finally get to express himself afterward and start dressing like crazy. I just love how he dresses now. And he he um, he compared himself at some point, I think, to like RuPaul in terms of how he would dress. He would be like, I couldn't show up on set all RuPaul or something. He's just, I mean... Uh, that he's in the documentary for a little bit and he is just a sweetheart and he explains all of this better than I do. Um, and I'm also trying not to put words in his mouth. So if you want to hear what he has to say about, um, being a gay man on Mr. Rogers neighborhood and his life behind the scenes and after the show, um, you should definitely go check out, won't you be my neighbor which, I, again, I think is on HBO. Um, I think you can also find a clip of this scene on YouTube. Um, it It's probably one of those clips that's going to end up getting taken down and then reposted and taken down and reposted, so you might have to search a little bit. But it's um, it was a really interesting thing to learn. Um, I'm sure a lot of people already knew it because people are better activists and advocates than I am but seeing it in the documentary was um it was really interesting to learn it was really interesting to see how he um has lived his life and then I guess I should also mention that there is a lot of gossip that Mr. Rogers himself was bisexual and you can find some quotes out there um that you can interpret that way um you can find some parts in the shows that um, make people interpret it that way. Um, I am personally on, not on the fence about it. I'm kind of almost in a place where I don't care, I guess. I know it's, I know representation is important and it's, it would be amazing to have such a beloved person, um, you know, on our, in our camp. But at the same time, I feel like Mr. Rogers transcended just about everything. He was, he was just, he was like an image. He was like a, an icon kind of. And, and so he was just this person that anyone could see themselves in. So whatever you are, you can kind of see that in him. And I think that's really important. There's never really been a mirror of each individual person on TV other than Mr. Rogers. So I think, um, I think he's, 
he's bisexual and he's straight and he's gay and he's trans and he's agender, he's asexual, he's everything that is good in the world, I think, is what he embodied on that show. And I remember a lot, I, I remember learning a lot about tolerance and love and, and equality and accepting people from that. I think if more people had been brought up on Mr. Rogers and if we had more people today watching Mr. Rogers, maybe it might be a better world. And I think it would be a better world if we all tried to be like Mr. Rogers. So that's just something to think about. You can yell at me about being an apologist in our Facebook group, Queer All Year Fam. Feel free. And now for something completely different. We are going to talk about Aaron Burr, sir. So this is just a real quick thing. It has nothing to do with LGBT history. I'm sure I could like force some sort of, you know, there's rumors about Aaron Burr or something, you know, I, but I'm not going out and like digging up in people's past unless I have to, when I have to, it'll be Hamilton. Um, but so on this date, well, let me give you background first. So Aaron Burr was, um, vice president until what, 1805. And, um, so, and then once he, was no longer vice president. He did this weird thing where he tried to stage a coup and it's uh, very convoluted and debated and historians are really not sure exactly what he was trying to do or exactly what happened, but that's because people at the time seemed to not know exactly what he was trying to do or exactly what happened. But what we do know is that the Burr conspiracy, as it came to be known, uh, is, a t- is when Aaron Burr led a group of armed colonials colonists uh toward the louisiana territory and apparently the spanish i believe had granted him some land down there and so he was saying that he was going to go down there and just kind of like take these armed people and you know farm on all of louisiana or something um but we do know that while he was still vice president he met with the British minister to the United States, whose name was Anthony Mary, and he outright offered to give the British Louisiana if they would give him half a million dollars and post their ships in the Gulf of Mexico. So according to Anthony Mary in letters he later wrote, he said it was absolutely clear that Aaron Burr was saying the residents of this new territory he was taking up would much rather be under the protection and rule of Britain than the United States. And um, so that's pretty damning. And then um, he apparently also approached the French when the British decided they didn't want to do it. And the no, the Spanish. He approached the Spanish. And um, and they were pretty immediately like, no, this your thing's not going to work. We're not going to do it. And uh, so but he decided to do it anyway. Um, so, like I said, he, he had this group of armed people who were apparently going to be farmers, according to him, and um, started marching them down to the Louisiana Territory. And um, it what he wanted is still under dispute. It's. Uh, said that he wanted to start his own country and, like, have his own empire um, and eventually take over the entire continent. 
But then again, he he said he just wanted to like do some farming and stuff or planting or probably make plantations and have a lot of slaves or something, you know. Um, But nobody wanted part of his shenanigans. And even his um, co-conspirator turned coat on him because he had heard like investigation started immediately. They were like, what is Burr doing? Where's he going? Hey, hey, Burr. And so uh, he turned coat, he turned tail real fast and turned him over. And um, an arrest warrant was put out for Burr, and he was arrested in the Mississippi Territory, but then he escaped into the wilderness, which is crazy. Do you just think of, like, I mean, if you listen to the Hamilton, you know, if you've seen Hamilton or if you are like me and you've just listened to the the recording like 80,000 times, um, you're just like... Just envisioning Aaron Burr hiding out in the wilderness is like, did he get a head injury at some point? Like, I don't know. Um, But so anyway, he was recaptured on February 19th and sent back to Virginia for trial. So that's where he comes in on the 19th. And um, they had they had quite a time defining what treason was. Um, They decided that intent itself wasn't good enough. It had to be uh, an overt act. Um, and they, like, part of it had to be, like, an armed group actively on the move to commit treason or something like that, which sounds exactly like what was happening. Um, but I think they couldn't prove that Burr had the intent to commit treason, and you had to have the intent to commit treason and be acting toward treason rather than just having a bunch of, you know, guns and going to take over a place and say, hey, no, we're not doing treason. We're just taking over a place or something. It was, I don't know. In any case, he was acquitted. And uh, so, but it ruined his political career and his personal life, which should have been ruined when he killed Alexander Hamilton. It didn't do, didn't do him much good then. But in any case, I wanted to talk about Aaron Burr because I saw that and I was like, what on Aaron Burr arrested for treason? So yeah, Hamilton nerd right here i'm a disgusting thespian so i had to talk about aaron burr being weird um and so that was our last story because it's why would i even put that story in i don't know because i like hamilton so i am going to talk about our social media you can find us you can find our facebook page queer all year you can join our facebook group queer all year fam where you can yell at me about historical inaccuracies about aaron burr or apologizing for Mr. Rogers. That's his name, Mr. Rogers. Um, we are also on Twitter and Instagram at Queer All Year Pod. You can um, at us there about mm, apologetic stuff. Um, you can be awesome and go support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash queer all year. And um, we are putting some awesome stuff out there. We have big stuff coming. It is is really cool. I mean, all there's already bloopers and bonus episodes and all that sort of thing. We're going to start having like physical stuff like stickers, hopefully, and maybe magnets and uh, basically just anything I can get my hands on uh, and just send it to everybody. So sign up and I will send stuff to you. Um, if you would be so awesome as to help us get to as many ears as possible, we would love it if you would 
review and rate us on whatever pod catcher you use. Uh, it does us most good if you use the Apple Podcasts little purple app on your phone or whatever Apple product you use, unless you don't have an Apple product, and then write and review us wherever. We love it. Um, rating and reviewing us gets us bumped up on the charts and gets more people to see us, gets more people to say, hey, you're wrong about Aaron Burr or whatever, and more people join the story. And the story is what's the story is the whole point of this you know we're telling a story maybe we tell it wrong or maybe we tell it with an apologetic tone about someone who told someone to hide their homosexuality because it was the 60s but in any case um this is the conversation and uh the conversation is very important to be having right now at all times but definitely right now so Please join us in having those conversations and bringing people in to have those conversations because by doing this, we are all together making history, telling history and making history and making history better for the future. And so thank you all so much for being part of our history. And as always, we love you.